As you are sitting here today, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Nehemiah. And we're going to continue in our family series that we've titled Rebuilding Foundations. Now, on purpose, you may have noticed that during the marriage sermon series this year, I did not take a day for husbands and I did not take a day for wives. In particular, because as an eldership team, we knew that we were planning this series. And in this series is where we wanted to in particular, talk to you as an individual as far as a family unit instead of in the marriage sermon series this year. In the end, I hope that you can take both of those series and put them together and they just flow and complement. That's the, the goal. Today, everybody say today. I want to speak to husbands. Today, I want to speak to fathers. Ladies, I need you to make me a promise. The things that I say today to your husbands, the things I say to fathers, you must not use those things against them. Raise your hand, ladies, if you will make me this promise. Father, we pray right now for our men. We pray for our fathers. We promise to be encouragers, builders, and uplifters. Of the gift that is a husband and a father. In Jesus' name, amen. Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah is my favorite book in the Bible. I have a favorite chapter in the Bible, which is John chapter 21. I have some favorite scriptures and those type of things. Um, Nehemiah is my favorite book in the Bible because Nehemiah is a builder. And I feel like at the core of who I am that God has called me to do that, to build. To build more than just things or ministries or those things, but in particular people. And as a discipler at heart and those things, I'm drawn to a man like this who builds. I'm drawn to a man who is not afraid to rebuild. I'm drawn to a a character in the Bible who is on mission and knows what he's called to do without apology begins to do it. He doesn't compare himself to anyone else. He doesn't think about what anyone else is doing. God placed a burden on his heart. Now in this rebuilding process, he makes a statement in chapter 4 verse 14. Then as I looked over the situation... I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight. Everybody say fight. Fight for your brothers. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. And fight for your homes. It's an incredible encouragement in the scripture. Now as a guy... Who, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I, well, I shouldn't be sorry. I, I'm a dude. Someone once told me, Don, you just need to get a hold, uh, you need to get in touch with your feminine side. I don't have one. <laughs> if I want to touch my feminine side, I'll reach over and touch my wife. Right. I, I'm a dude. Sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. Sometimes my deodorant wears out halfway through the day. I'm a dude. 
Sometimes I come home and my wife's like, you need to take a shower. I say, I'm a dude. It happens. There, as, a, as a guy, there are some scriptures that really get me going. I don't know about you. One of those in particular is in 2 Samuel chapter 23. It's always there, man, and I'm telling you what, it gets me worked up. I want to read it to you, 2 Samuel chapter 23. Um, I, well, I could just read the whole chapter. I'll, I'll go with verse 13. No, let's do 8. These are the names of David's mightiest warriors. Come on. First was uh, Jehoshabim, the, uh, the Hakamanite, uh, who was a leader of the three, the three mightiest war- warriors among David's men. Uh, he, he once used his spear to kill 800 warriors and a sick. Come on, somebody. Next in rank among the three was Elziar, uh, son of Adobai, uh, the descendant of Ohi. At once Elzar and David stood together against the Philistines when the entire Israel army had fled. Two guys, two guys are like, bring it. Y'all don't read your Bible like I do. Hollywood can't write stories like this. Two guys against an army said, bring it. Come on, church. I love it. He killed the Philistines until his hand was too tired to lift his sword. And the Lord gave him a great victory that day. And the rest of the army did not return until it was time to collect the plunder. Those bunch of wimps. Next in rank was Shama. Oh, come on, Shama. All he needs is a hoe. Watch this. Son of Agai, Hagar. One time the Philistines gathered at Leah and attacked the Israelites in a field full of lentils. And the Israelite army fled. But Shammah held his ground in the middle of the field. Beat back the Philistines so the Lord brought him a gate victory. Those are my beans. They belong. Y'all don't read your Bible like I do. He, He liked beans evidently. Once during the harvest when David was in the cave of Abdullam, uh, the Philistine army was camped in the valley of Raphim. The three, the three who were among the 30, an elite group, an elite group, an elite group of, uh, among David's fighting men went down to meet him there. And David was staying in the stronghold at the time and the Philistine's detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem. David remarked lovingly, love it. Now listen guys, I'm going to speak to you today. Some of what I got to say you ain't going to like. I'm going to do it as lovingly as I can. He speak lovingly to the, Oh, how I would love of some of that water from the well of the gate of Bethlehem. So the three broke through the Philistine line, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem, and brought it back to David. But he refused to drink it. They were like, our leader wants something to drink? And somebody standing in our way? Negative. They didn't sneak around. They broke through the line. They got some water. They brought it back to David and said, here you go. You know why? 
because we some bad dudes. What you need, man? Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. The Lord forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. These are examples. Everybody say examples. Of the exploits of the three. I don't have time to read the whole chapter because I'll just get all fired up. In that chapter are some men that cannot be compared to. And that chapter to me, to me, are real men. Men who are warriors, men who had a cause, men who had a purpose. And I just want to say this to every, every husband and every father right now. You have a cause. You have a purpose. And if you make it about anything else other than the woman you're married to and the children she gave you, you will miss it. Let me, let me review. Last week we said what? No such thing as a perfect family. So there isn't any such thing as a perfect husband or a perfect father. That's not the demand. Only families that live by godly principles are families that are going to survive and thrive. It doesn't take perfection to make a great family, but it does take, oh, some of y'all listened, work. Today, I want to talk to you men. I want to talk to husbands. I want to talk to fathers. And ladies, you made me a promise you would not use this message against them. But we need some warriors to rise up. We need some men to step up and be men. We need some men who say, I understand there's an enemy out there who's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And his main target is my wife and my children. It's not your finances. It's not your success. It's not your fame. It's not your career he's after. It is after your wife and it is after your children he wants. If he cannot steal them from you, he wants to destroy them. The problem is every woman and every child in this room would agree, want, and ask, and believe that their husband and father should leave the family. But no one can give us as men what that looks like. What does it look like? And so all of us live in frustration because we're like this. I don't know how to lead. He doesn't lead. The children look at their father and see no integrity, no character, and no honor. What does a warrior look like? I'm going to start off very simple. I believe simply he's a man who prays daily for his family. I believe simply he's a man who prays with his family. One of the greatest honors that I have. Listen, when, when my daughter is barked up, when something has got her twisted, she'll listen to this. When something's got her twisted emotionally or frustrated or whatever, you know who she calls? Her mama. She can call daddy. But when she wants prayer, you know who she calls? And I'm good with that because I'm a dude. I'm probably not going to do all those girl emotions. But I can pray. And I'm not scared. 
I believe that a warrior is a man who's passionate about serving Jesus and serving his family. I believe that a warrior is a man who sets an example. He wants his children to follow, not a demand. All right, Pastor Don, I know what a warrior looks like. How do I do it? Well, I'm glad you asked, guys. First, men must understand this absolute bedrock foundational principle. You, you're not going to get it if you don't get anything else. Our wives and our children find it much easier to connect with a man of character. You gain character by being strong in your relationship with God. It's the first place character comes from. In fact, your spiritual influence will be diminished. In fact, your spiritual influence will be muted. Muted. Silenced. If you don't have your own walk with God. And that's a big question with guys. Because relationally connecting with things is what's... We're such doers. We're such uh, just um, work guy. Give me something to do and I find purpose in it. But relationship, I'm not real... You see what I'm saying? My wife, she has something. She, it, it, maybe something's bothered her. Maybe something she wants to share her heart or whatever. She has to clarify for me. I don't need you to do anything. She, she says that, right? I do not need you to fix anything. I just need you to listen to my heart. Bang, I know what to do. But there are times when my wife says, I'm going to share my heart, and then you're going to have to go. I know, right? When she says, I don't need you to do anything, what she's saying to me is, I just need you to be relational in this moment. Now I know it's something that doesn't, it's not natural, but it can be, it can be flowed in naturally when we begin to work on it. How do I get a strong relationship with God, Pastor Don? Because relationally is what I struggle in. Let me tell you something, gentlemen. I want, I want you to hear me and hear me very clear. You must take ownership of your own spiritual journey. Not your wife's job. Do you understand, gentlemen, that the Scripture says that it is the dad's job to teach the Bible to his children. Not the wife's job, not Sunday school teacher's job, and not the pastor's job. It is the father's job. We have to have, we've got to take ownership of our own spiritual journey, our own walk with God. We, we, can't, we can't sit around and go, I don't know how to do it or I'm not doing it. I don't know what to do. Though. We've got to take ownership of that thing. And, and owning your own personal spiritual life is a big deal, gentlemen. It's a big deal. Listen to this. Number one, your spiritual life strengthens or weakens every relationship in your family. Give, give me just a minute. Gentlemen, if you're married, just, just look at your wife. If you're married, just look at her. Go ahead. She's worth looking at. Here's the first principle. Keep your eyes on your own wife. Yep. 
I'm going to preach out a different sermon. Women rank spiritual intimacy as number three in their top five needs. First is unconditional love. Second is communication. Communication. Not ug. Mm. Talk. Third. Third. Everybody say third. third. Spiritual intimacy. I'm going to say this. I'll make you a promise, gentlemen. Every man in this room, Pastor Don will make you a guaranteed promise this morning, right here in this place. And I'll challenge any man to prove me wrong. Your spiritual life will make your marriage better. If your kids are with you this morning, gentlemen, look at your kids. Look at them. You, they look like you. You might as well look at them. <laughs> if you look at your kids and you go, ooh, that's your fault. <laughs> you can't blame nobody. Every single one of them are looking to you to be a strong leader whether you are or not. They are. They're at in the world that they live in right now. They are looking to you to be a strong. I'm trying to condemn you. I'm not trying to put anything on you than what God has already mandated that is your job. But they are looking to you to be a strong leader in their life. And I want you to understand a lot of what I deal with as a pastor and a counsel in adult families' lives is because of a poor model that... We as fathers introduce our children to the knowledge of what is right and what is wrong. We as fathers introduce our children into what is a right view of God himself. I'm just going to throw some worldly statistics out there for you. Watch this. From the U.S. Department of Health and Census, this is their report. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. That's five times the national average. 90% of homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. That's 32 Times the national average. 85% of all children who show bis, dis, uh, uh, behavior disorders come from a fatherless home. That is 20 times the national average. 75% of all adolescent uh, uh, patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. That is 10 times the national average. 43%. Everybody say that with me. 43%. Say it. 43% of all United States children live without their father. That has nothing to do with who sits in the Oval Office. Forty-three percent 
Now that might blow your mind. That's a high number to me. 71% of pregnant teenagers lack a father. 90% of adolescent repeat arsonists live with only their mother. 70% of juveniles in a state-operated institute, that's called juvie jail, have no father. 85% of youth in prison grew up in a fatherless home. 80% of rapists come from fatherless homes. That's 14 times the national average. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. That is nine times the national average. Fatherless boys and girls are twice as likely to drop out of high school, twice as likely to end up in jail, four times more likely to need help for emotional and behavioral problems. Now, I'm speaking of fathers at a moment. doesn't matter if you're married or not married. It, you can be a divorced father, still be in your children's lives. I need the church. I need them, in particular, the men in the church. In particular, I don't preach to the church down the street. I preach to this one. There are times when I get the honor to share in other places. But you are my men. I am your man. We belong to each other. We are brothers. And, 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 and right now, it is way... Way, way past time for there to be some warrior men to stand up for their families, to stand with their families, and to stand beside their families. It is way past time. I'm, call, I'm speaking to you women because I want you to grab a hold of something that God has given you a gift. And even if he's not living up to this mode, up to this point, he can, he can, he can. That's the negative. Here's the positive. Notice what happens if a warrior father is involved in his kids' lives. Children with fathers who, who are involved are 40% less likely to repeat, repeat a grade in school. Children with fathers who are involved in a life are 70% likely to drop out of school. Children with fathers who are involved in their life are more likely to get A's in school. Children with fathers in their life are more likely to enjoy education and engaging in the things in the world around them. So remember, men, why do I need you to be a spiritual leader? Because your spiritual life strengthens or weakens every relationship you have in the family. Your family is asking a question. Your family, gentlemen, is asking a question. Who does he submit to? You go around the house barking out orders. Everybody wants to know who's your boss. I think it's a legit question. Who does he submit to? Why does he get to be the only one in the house without any kind of accountability? Why does he get to require that I live a life that he doesn't live? to tell him no is he following someone greater than himself 
See, a man without accountability is a man who ultimately will fall to destruction every single time. Every single time. A man without people in his life who can look him in the eye and say, love you with all my heart, but no. No. You know why? I tell often my deliverance 25 years ago over pornography was not only because of my wife's influence in my life, but because there was a guy in my life who was unafraid, even at the risk of our relationship, to look me in the eye and go, no. Sorry about your luck and your feelings. We're going to be men of God or not? We're going to walk with Jesus or not? Because you walk down that road, I can't walk with you. Because I ain't going down that path. There's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the way thereof is, I ain't dying. Not that way. Dude, if I'm going to die, I'm going to pick a hill, right? And I'm going to die on that hill. I'm going to be 2 Samuel 23. That's where I'm going to die. I want to die on the hero on a hill. That's where I want to die. A strong sense in your family that you love God and follow him builds respect within your family, gentlemen. Why do you need a strong spiritual life? Because they're looking for Jesus in you. They're looking for Jesus. They're looking for God. How do I find him? How do I see him? Who best represents that to me? Your spiritual life, number two, impacts the integrity in your home. You need a strong spiritual life, gentlemen. I'm not asking you to be a preacher. I'm not asking you to be a pastor. That has nothing to do. I know a lot of those guys who stand up every day, every week, and preach sermons and and do all they they but they're they, spiritually they suck. They'll get up and preach to you, and then you'll hear about some moral failure they've been walking in for years. But see, because they're famous, you'll eat everything they give you. And yet the guy who's laboring every week over a word for you, the guy, the local pastor who's praying over your life, who's shepherding your soul, you'll reject the words he gives you, but you know he walks in integrity. I am sick of famous preachers who cannot keep their zipper zipped. I said it. As men, we're living in a day where men value success and pleasure more than they value their family. And we aren't heartbroken over it. We're more mad because somebody else got elected. We will protest and fly a flag. Amen. We will chant a chant. We'll sign all kinds of petitions uh, for, for that. But we won't sign the petition in the church that says, I promise, I declare that I'll be a man of God, that I'll lead my family, that I'll never waver, that I'll always walk for God. I'm sick of that mess. I'm sick of the pastor being the only guy who's got to be spiritual. I want to follow you. I am looking to some young men in this church who I know one day I'm going to follow. 
And I'm encouraging them with everything I got. Stay out of pornography. Keep your life pure. Don't touch an ounce. Don't touch a drop of liquor or alcohol. Don't you do it. Be a Samson. Be a Nazarite. Be dedicate your life to the Lord. Lead us to God's glory. And I'll be your greatest cheerleader. You want to go to battle? I'll pick up a sword and go. We'll die together on this thing. Do not desire success and pleasure more than your families. Desire, the desire for sex uh, and pleasure and lust and all of these things, it, it just pushes men out into a, an idea, right, that, that we think is okay because we're men. It's not. Uh, ask these young men. I'll say the first person you got to lead is who, Breno? Say it. You can't lead yourself, you ain't lead nobody else. Don't come in here and talk about I'm a leader if you're not leading yourself. It's just the, the, the demand of the scripture, the desire for success, the desire for pleasure, the desire to fulfill the lust of our flesh is a desire that will ultimately erode our character 100% of the time. And you got nobody to blame but yourself. The devil made me. No, he didn't. Do you understand that greater is he that lives in you than he that is in the world? Do you understand that you've already got the victory? Do you understand, gentlemen, that before you ever pick up a sword and go to battle, you've already won? You need to stop fighting for victory and understand you're fighting from victory. You're already a victor in Christ. You're a man of God. Amen. Challenge to the darkness in your life. Challenge the darkness in the world around us with your character, with your integrity, and with your honor. A man with character, integrity, and honor has no fear. You know why? When the enemy comes, he'll find nothing in me. I don't need a lawyer. I already got an advocate. Oh, y'all not helping me. Our children understand what is right and what is wrong. Not based on what we say, but how we live. And you better bet the one person, you, the people, the, the, the people you cannot, your children, they might be, they know. You can't fool them. Here's the truth, men. Your family, your wife, your children will not only trust you. Uh, it, it, they will, let's put it this way. They will only trust you to the point of your personal integrity. They know if you value success and pleasure more than them. Your relationship with them is only as deep as your value and sacrifice for them. I said it. You can tweet it. But many of you won't. You, you're only going to walk in deep relationship with your wife as your personal integrity. You can't go any deeper than that. With your children, you can't go any deeper than that. Because when you look at them and you try to correct them for something that's going to be wrong, they know you're a hypocrite. And therefore, they're not going to embrace the correction. Let me tell you something. You guys know. Raise your hand if you know, how, if you've ever heard me say that there's one man in my life who's my hero. Come on, raise your hand. What's his name? 
Terry. Terry Smith. Many of you don't even know him. Probably you might not ever meet him. I hope you do. Little big guy about this tall. You think I can tell a story? The reason my, he only got saved a few years back. The reason my father is my hero is simple. It's simple. It's simple. His actions always matched his words. If my dad had told me something, you could carry it to the bank, good or bad. My dad didn't wait till I did wrong to decide what the punishment was. You do this, this is what happens. You do that, this is what happens. Therefore, he never had to apologize when correction had to take place. My dad had never looked at me and said, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. He intended for it to hurt. Not because he was unloving. But because he had to keep his word to me. He had to. He had no choice. Even when it hurt me. Even when it jeopardized our relationship. He had to keep his word to me. I never remember a time. Even in our struggles relationship. Between him and I. We don't, we don't struggle anymore. But there was a time when I was a teenager. And I was an idiot. Even in those moments. My father always kept his word. It's not complicated. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't a Christian at that time and neither was I. But he kept his word. My dad never had money, still doesn't. He never had fame. My dad is a war hero. I have his bronze star in my office. They don't give those away as participation trophies. A bronze star is given to you, and I have his military papers to show it, and this is exactly said, awarded the bronze star for acts of heroism in combat. My dad had three combat tours in Vietnam. Not one, three. And today he carries metal in his body and a limp in his step and suffering because of that. My dad was a war hero. You'll never hear him talk about it. That's why I have his medals in my office. He doesn't put them on his wall. He never had riches or fame or any of those things. But if you go to Malone, Florida, and you mention his name, everyone you talk to will say he's a man of his word, even if it cost him. That's, those are big shoes to feel. I ain't gonna lie. Ethics, morality, and integrity, those were his mottos. He used to say this to me all the time. Don, do you know why we do the right thing? Because it's the right thing to do. He didn't need to write a book. Was, you, know what, you know why we do the right thing? Because it's the right thing to do. He used to say this to me. How come there's always time to do it right the second time? But never time to do it right the first time. Brilliant. The man's a genius. I didn't know that. It's amazing the older you get how much smarter your dad was. Your integrity as a father determines whether and where your family invests their life. And so gentlemen, you need to get your 
act together. A-C-T. Just so we get that clear on the video. Your spiritual life, number three, impacts your ability to settle conflict within your family. Do you know the greatest leaders in the world are not men who can just fight, but they're men who can bring peace. And just because you're a warrior doesn't mean you love war. As a matter of fact, a true warrior hates it. He hates it. He loves peace more than anything. He loves peace more than anything. But Ben, you must remember this. Conflict is inevitable. But destruction of your family is optional. You're going to need to slow that one down, brother. Conflict in your family is inevitable, but destruction of your family is optional. Your commitment to God will make or break how you manage conflict in your family. And I just want you to understand, gentlemen, if your life is not soaked in this book every day of your life, you will not carry the heart of God into conflict because you do not know how. Instead, you will call, carry the wrath of man. Because we're men! And the Bible says that the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. And in every conflict, we are called to carry the heart of God. In every situation and circumstance, gentlemen, it is a situation and a circumstance where we are called to lead. You are never exempted. You are never, dis you are never disallowed to not lead. No situation, no circumstance, no issue. It gives you permission to say, well, I guess I'm out. If you're not soaking yourself in this word, you will soak yourself in something else. And it will pickle your brain and your liver. You're going to soak yourself in something of the world, or the world's ideologies, the world's principles, and they will never save your family. They will never cause you to serve your family. They will never cause your family to look at you as a hero that God has called you to be. They will never, ever. I would that our families, our children, our wives would look at us and say, my husband, my dad's name might not be in 2 Samuel chapter 23, but if it was written in our day, I'm sure his name would be there. If we don't soak ourselves into this word, and I'm as guilty as anybody if following our emotions and our feelings because I'm that kind of guy. Or will we operate by the fruit of the Spirit? In Galatians chapter 5. Will I be a part of the problem? Or will I be a part of the solution? And I just want to say to every man, every husband, every father... Right now, I'm not leaving any of Because some of you in this room, you ain't husbands, but you are fathers. Some of you ain't husbands or fathers yet, but you will be. So I'm speaking to everybody. I'm not leaving anybody out. You need to grab a hold of this. In this world that you and I live in, as men, we must determine that we are going to be part of the solution. 
not part of the problem. Stop whining, complaining. Matt Chandler said this one time at an Act Like Men conference. He said, gentlemen, if you're not tired, you ain't doing it right. I don't want to be a part of the problem in my wife's life. She's got enough problems. I don't want to be a part of the problem in my children's lives. I want them to know that no matter what they're dealing with, that they can come to dad. They might not like what he's got to say. Both my children... And I've told these stories. I, I, it, it amazes me sometimes that they even speak to me. Because I've never been afraid to share the truth. But at the end of that truth, I've always said, you have to understand regardless of what happens and how this goes, I love you and that will never change. And I will pursue you until the day Jesus comes back. My son, he's not the talkative type when it comes to this kind of stuff. He, I don't see him here this morning, but he, he will tell you there's been some son-daddy talks that he wouldn't be happy about. And if y'all know him, he's a little bigger than I am. A lot bigger than I am. We were in the gym the other day, and I was a little happy about my 300-pound bench press. He puts 475 on there. Grab that, old man. Negative. <laughs> Either I'm too old or I'm just too smart. I, I'll own both of them. How about that? He's a big boy. But God has called me to be a truth speaker in his life. And he understands. Dad will always do that. And I've walked away from more than one conversation with him bawling my eyes out, praying God that he would allow the boy to speak to me again. And I heard him tell, I heard him, he, one day he had a couple of young guys in the gym over in the corner, and I, I saw him, I was like, I don't know what he's doing over there with those young guys, but they came to me later and said, man, TC just shared some stuff with us about some things you said and did, and I was like, you know, that, that blessed me, because I didn't feel like it went that way. <laughs> My dad was the same way. He was. Gentlemen, be a solution. I'm going to be the solution. I'm not going to be an ogre. I'm going to be the solution. I will seek to understand during conflict, and then I will seek to win. I will seek to understand, and then I will seek to win. Solomon standing before two women fighting over a live baby had a decision to make. Who does the baby belong to? He could not know. But we know the story. In order to discover who was the real mom, what did he do? Cut that baby in half. Give it half of it to each of them. Of course the real mom's going to say, no, let the child live. Gentlemen, that's the wisdom that I want. I want to understand. Do you understand in that moment? That was real. Everyone in the room had to gasp. Cut that baby in half. Who are what are we doing here? But in the end, they understood God had gave the man 
of God wisdom. And they sought to follow him because of that wisdom. See, God wants to give you that kind of wisdom, gentlemen, in dealing with conflict in your family, but it is directly tied to your spiritual walk with him. Conflict is inevitable. But whether we act like an adult, that's questionable. Families need real men. Y'all didn't help me. I said families need real men. Any man can go off on his family. Any man can yell and scream and throw things. But let me make you this promise. And now you need to hear me and hear me very clear. Your convictions will never be embraced by your family if they are only tools you use to punish them. Your convictions will never be embraced by your family. As a matter of fact, if you use your convictions to punish your family, they will 100% of the time rebel against them. And when, when we enter into discipleship, I tell the guys who commit to the discipleship journey, listen, I will never seek to put my convictions on you. All I ask you to do is be a man of conviction. Get yourself some and then walk in them. Don't tell me you got convictions on Monday and then me not see you walk in them on Wednesday. Get yourself some. Because see, no matter where I'm at, I can live in my convictions because they ain't based on how Doug lives. They ain't based on how Eddie lives. They're not based on anybody else around me. They're my convictions. And the only person that violate, gets violated when I violate my convictions is me. Own them. This is my spiritual journey. I'm not asking you to do that. I think there are things that are righteous and unrighteous that as men of God we should touch and not touch. But gentlemen, we cannot tell our daughters that they are a beautiful gift of God when our daughters know that we have an addiction to pornography. That's a hypocrite. And she knows it. And you know why she knows that? Because that woman you're looking at that ain't your wife is somebody else's daughter. How can he do that with someone else's daughter and yet tell me? Do you understand that? You thought pornography was all about your wife. I'm, I'm telling you young men right now, reject it. Reject every part of it. Don't walk in it. Don't let your eyes do it. Make like Job. Make a covenant with your eyes. I don't care. It might Pornography is not something that's just on the TV or on a paper or on the internet. It can be out in the world that we live in. Amen. Don't find yourself anywhere where the devil can put that stuff in front of you and use somebody else's daughter to pull you down. Don't do that. Don't do it. Own your purity. Own your purity. And then the woman you marry will know, my man is my man. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. When a woman knows that, she follow you around the world. She won't complain. But when she knows something is contrary, she won't. It takes a real warrior to live up to James 1.19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, 
and slow to anger. It takes a real warrior to walk in Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. It takes a real warrior to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, and say, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm a dude, sometimes I get mad. The Bible says be angry, but don't sin. When I'm angry, I need to be in front of Jesus first. 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 You think Jesus is scared of your anger? He hung on a cross. He understands what wrath really... You got nothing. He ain't scared. Deal with it. Man, I wish I could... Over, over and over and over, I shared personal stories. But I don't want to be your hero. Be your own hero. I don't need that kind of pressure. Can we walk together with Jesus as men? Yeah. When it's time to go to battle, will we pick up our swords together? Yeah. There's some bad dudes. And 2 Samuel chapter 23, but I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want to face this world with just two of us. And I shouldn't have to. I'll save it for later. I was a personal story, but it'll be later. Let me just have your attention here. I love you. And I don't, I don't want you to go away from here thinking I was hard on you today. Please don't do that. I need you. You have no idea the hell. <laughs> These elders do that we sit in as elders. Every day. The emails we get. The way we're misinterpreted. Misunderstood. Gentlemen, we need you. We need you. The church needs you. This world has lost its mind. And it ain't going to get settled politically. That's not God's plan. I mean, I got my preference. But my convictions don't change. I'm still going to be a man of God. I'm still going to believe in life. I'm still going to believe in the pursuit of liberty. I'm still going to believe in freedom. Freedom that first comes from Jesus Christ. And freedom that comes because I'm an American citizen. I'm still going to believe in those things. I'm free. Not because some paper was written that says that you're free. I'm free because a cross was put in the ground and blood flew off of it. And that blood's still flowing today. And if you're a man in here today and you ain't been washed in that blood, no wonder you ain't free. No wonder you ain't settled. No wonder you're struggling with manhood. The first thing you need to do as a warrior is surrender. Stop surrendering to the things of the world. 
Too many men realize way too late this truth. A strong spiritual life gives men the one key ingredient needed to make relationships healthy in their family. And that is a new character. I am not who I was. And tomorrow, I want to be able to say the same thing. I am not who I was yesterday. And y'all need me too. Y'all need me to be better tomorrow. Trust me. Because you know the Bible, the scripture that says God's mercies are new every morning? That was written for Don M. Smith. I need it every day. I'm I'm just telling you, there are sometimes I know God. At the end of the day, when the sun goes down, goes, Lord. Just to himself, he can gather the Trinity together and just go, Whoo, we got more grace tomorrow for him. You know what I'm ashamed of myself? You know when I, I, I fail? Because I do. And, and this is, you know, I, I mean, this is what I tell all the young men and, and, and ladies even now. If we think about where we're coming. In the world that we live in, when I make a mistake, it's not like I bounced a check. It's not like I forgot something off my wife's grocery list. See, when you're a leader, when you make a mistake, it's with people. Careful when you judge leaders, especially those who are leading people. That's why I I, I may disagree with a lot of preachers and pastors and those type of things. I'll call sin out. But I know when that man makes a mistake, he makes a mistake with people. And I've been there. And that's rough. That'll crush your soul. Because you don't get a second chance at that. When I failed with my wife, when I've been harsh with her, uninvolved with her, unemotional with her, when I haven't taken the time to make sure she knows she's important with my kids, when I've done that as a father, when I've been too busy, when I've neglected them, when I haven't placed value on them like they're supposed to have value on them, those things are heavy. But there's a scripture in my heart. There's a scripture that's deep down inside of me that I know God will honor. And the Bible says that if any man, everybody say man. I'm not preaching to ladies today, but y'all can embrace it. But this scripture is, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, understand, Don, know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. Understand this, Don, never forget this, Don, all things are new. John chapter 21 is my favorite chapter. Remember I told you that in the beginning? You know why? Because that's a chapter where Jesus looked at Peter and said, come on. Remember what we're supposed to be doing? I, I know you made a mistake. I know you, listen. I know you, come on. I, I haven't forgotten you. As a matter of fact, I still got a call on you. It hasn't exempted my call on you, Peter. It isn't, it is, it isn't disqualified you from what I'm doing. Your failures, God, you're falling short, Peter. It, hasn't, it has nothing to do with what I'm calling you to do. I need you to stand up here, Peter, and let's go do what we're called to do. And Peter stood up from that moment, and he went straight from there, and he preached a 15-minute sermon that birthed the New Testament church, and Pentecost came. Hello, somebody. God used a backslidden preacher to let the Holy Ghost come. 
Let me tell you something in this room this morning, Dad. Let me tell you, Father. Let me tell you, Husband. You may have failed, but you better remember God's not done with you yet. God's not finished with you yet. He's got something for you. Stand up. Stand up in your call. Do what God called you to do and lead your family. The devil knows that a strong character on your part prevents him from making those around you from suffering. Because he knows you'll serve them and you'll sacrifice for them. He knows you'll put them above yourself. He knows that you're not living for who you are. He knows that you're not living for your needs. He knows that you're living for your family. He knows you're living for your wife and for your children. He knows that you are living for something else and therefore your character is a shield. Your honor is a protection. Listen to me church. Your integrity is the bubble that wraps around your family like the hedge that was around Job and nothing can come against you or your family. I believe it. First Timothy 6. But you, every man say me. I don't got a trick Bible. I mean, this is a little funny version here this morning, but it's all right. What is this, the New Living Translation? It's all right. But you, man of God, 1 Timothy 6, 11. But you, man of God, but you, man of God, flee from all this. Pursue righteousness and godliness, faith, love, endurance with gentleness. Fight the good fight of truth. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Any man in my life that will not demand that I walk in that scripture is not a friend of mine. I will not hang out with him. I will not associate with him. I won't. It's right there. I will not do it. But you, O oh man of God, flee. The Bible tells us to flee from even the appearance. It doesn't tell us as men to live in our liberties. Oh, see, I'm not a legalist. I'm a grace man, and I'm free to say no. He leadeth me into green pastures. Do you know in the Hebrew, the word pasture is specific? It doesn't say field. A field is something that's open with no boundaries. A pasture has a fence around it. And do you know why I can lay down in that pasture and go to sleep? Because that fence doesn't keep me in. That fence protects me. God, I would we'd all live there, men. He leadeth me. And then I can drink still waters. I can rest in Jesus. Our wives, our kids, they will only connect to a man they respect. And they respect men with character. And we gain character by walking with God. I love you. And I need you. And the church needs you. And if the events of 2020 
have not told you as a man of God that God needs you in this lost and broken world. I, I don't know what, I, don't, I can't convince you. I can't. We keep saying, could 2020 get any worse? I'm telling you, you better stop asking that question. Instead, I'm going to embrace a scripture that says, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. I don't know. Some things are God's business. I'd be obedient, and the rest is God's business. My first priority is that woman. A second priority are those kids. In that order. There are times when you have to just look at your children and go, sorry about your luck. Mom and dad are going to spend some time together. And you're going to be okay with it. You'll be all right with it. And if you're not, I promise you, you'll be alive tomorrow. See, they, love, they see you love their mom. They're going to know you love them. They see you not loving their mom. I'm sorry. You can tell them you love them as much as you want to. There's always that seed. Can I? Can I trust him? Can I trust him? Can I trust him? Can I trust him? Hello, somebody. I don't even know if I said that today. I want every man in this room, if you want to, I'm not going to force you to stand. If you want to stand, I want to pray with you. Ladies, keep a seat. Every man, ladies, you see standing in this room? 2 Samuel 23. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I prophesy that over you. I speak that over you right now. Own it. Own it. There's a phrase. We're going to love our wives passionately. We're going to lead our children gently. And we're going to kill anything that gets in front of the first two. Amen. Will you extend your hand towards these men and let's pray for them? Father, today, first and foremost, we are grateful for men. And all their shortcomings, they're human. And Lord, they deal with brokenness like we all do. But God, we are thankful for them. And today the challenge has gone forward to be a man of honor, integrity. The challenge has gone forward to embrace godliness. The challenge to flee from unrighteousness and pursue righteousness. The challenge to embrace godliness, faith, and love in endurance to fight this fight and to never give up. God, would you just let your spirit flow new and fresh into them right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I curse every chain and assignment right now from the pits of hell. I take the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, and I break every chain. I lose every assignment in Jesus' name over the lives of these great warriors. 
Satan, take your hands off of them, off of what belongs to God. We rebuke you and we cast you out. We bind you in Jesus' name. And right now, in the name of Jesus, we declare the goodness of God. We declare the newness of God. We declare fresh passion, a fresh zeal, a fresh joy for being a husband, for being a father. New vision, God. We, we declare it right now. Forgive us, Lord, as men for falling short. But thank you, God, for calling us up. Thank you, God, for restoring God, I pray for a special anointing on the men of this house. Help us to own our spiritual journey. I'm a man of God because I'm walking with God. Not because I belong to a church. Not because I heard some crazy little preacher. I'm a man of God because I walk with God. He is my God. You are my God. You are my God. And I will serve you. Thank you, Lord, for my wife. Thank you for my children. Thank you for the blessing that they are. Forgive me for any time that I've chosen success or pleasure over them and never again, Lord. Never again. I receive the mandate. I receive it right now in Jesus' name. I receive it right now in Jesus' name. And everyone who prayed for these men, Said amen. Come on, stand with us. Everybody stand. Coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made. Any man in this house that wants to visit God in this altar, I promise you, you. tear. I promise you, he's here. There'll be no judgment. The altar is open. We will pray for each other. We will lock our shields. If you want to come, make it new and right with God. You're welcome. about you. 
I just pray right now that your presence just sits in our whole being, God. I pray for every man here, Lord, at Firm Foundation Ministries. God, I'm grateful for every man in this church. I'm grateful, Lord, for men who step up and say, I'll do my part. I'll bear the burden of my brother. Turn us loose, God. On a lost and dying world. Turn us loose on a devil. Help us, God, be men who bring order to chaos, who bring stability. Help us to be men who can bring calm in a time of anxiety and fear. We receive it today. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Let's give every man in this house a hand of praise. We love you. God bless you. Turn around, tell someone you're a man of God. Thank you.